Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess is out today, but Dan, but excuse me, Kyle Clement is visiting to do some video work with his brother Dan and Jesse. Kyle, thanks for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse show. Oh, it's nice to be here with you, Terry. Thanks so much for having me. Are you kidding me, brother? I thought this was an opportunity to actually talk to you about not only this video project you're working on here in our chapel, but the work that God has worked with you. In other words, you are working intimately with Father Chad Ripperger, Dan Snyder, and on spiritual warfare issues. You're building books. You're putting programs together. And it's just really beautiful. But I wanted to ask if you'd be so kind to share with our listeners how God really worked in your life years ago when you were open to serve. So could you share that story a little bit about yourself and how God came in and really asked you to be more uh, active in uh, sharing the gospel with folks? Well, Terry, I uh, I always tell people, never never look at a priest and say, Father, <laughs> whatever I can do to help you. <laughs> I made that mistake about 25 years ago, and so here I am. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that Oftentimes we, especially as men, yeah. we feel a movement within us and um, we're, we're trying, we're looking for terms. We're looking for places to put it. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that there's such a draw to sports and, and to various things. But it's a misdirection of what's really in us. And what's really in us is to be a warrior. Mm. What's really in us is to live your best life, your best masculine life in light of sacrificial theology, mm. vocation, um, and to give it back to God and to give it to give it, give the best version of yourself to God. Mm. Um, we put it in terms that the secular society offers us, but it, it falls way short. Um, as we read through the martyrology, we read through the saints, we, we look at reclamation theology and we see that there's been a systematic removal and diminution of the heroic virtue mm of the saints and of the others that we celebrated throughout the centuries, <clears throat> and especially in light of, of recent Jesuitical influences starting in the modern historical critical era, where we lose the real, um, we're living a Marvel comic book life. We're not living the old hardbound Ivanhoe and Knights of the Round Table that yeah. you and I grew up with. Yeah. Um, and so... We're, we're living a superficial existence, and, and we as men want much, much more. So I started to share some of this with a confessor several years ago, mm -hmm. and I also started to share with him uh, some observations that I had. I didn't know what spiritual warfare was. I didn't know what anything was. Yeah, I was just trying to express some things that were moving within me. Mm -hmm. My heritage is a ranching heritage. Um, I am a northern italian and scott extraction both herders going way back cattle and sheep ancestors came to this country with some one set with sheep one set with cattle but within that is the understanding of predation how does a predator work on a herd a flock how does a predator work on a ranch for that matter what are the things that we do or fail to do that make us susceptible to the adversary to the enemy and so when I was describing this to him, I was describing what I thought um, were just some predatory principles that I was seeing with people. And he asked if I would pray with, if Valerie, my wife, and I would go and pray with this family. I had no clue what that meant. Um, I didn't know what the charismatic renewal was. I didn't know any of that stuff. 
um, other than from an observational standpoint. And so Valerie and I went that evening and prayed the rosary with this family. And so I came back and told him what my observations were. And so he said, uh, ask if I would go and with him to pray with some people. And I didn't know he was an exorcist. Wow. And and I was seeing things that it's, it's nothing mystical. It's nothing um, abnormal, supernatural, or anything else. It's just good observation. And so if you liken it to tracking an animal, if you know the nature of the animal, for instance, if I'm tracking an elk, I can tell, I can tell by three sets of footprints, I can tell his size, his speed, the direction that he's heading, and that's not mystical. That's just looking at a lot of elk prints. Then you apply what you know of his nature to the topography. So I don't have to see every single track. I can tell you that he's headed this particular direction, and he'll take this particular path based on cover, water, etc. And what I found was, once I started into this, um, the demon is highly predictable. Mm. They are the most predictable creature in all of the universe because they're, they're conscripted or they're bound by two principles. One is their fallen nature. They can't act outside their fallen nature. Now, the other one is God's providence. God only allows them to do so much. They would like you to think that they are autonomous, that they come and go where they please and do what they will. That's not so. And so I also begin to see that Ultimately, if you have predators um, that are preying upon a flock, while it's necessary to uh, eliminate the predators from your area, you are also responsible for the protection of the flock. Now, that includes your house, your children, um, these things. Uh, and so I saw these principles have a direct application to exorcism. One of the priests that called and asked um, for uh, some insight on a particular case was Monsignor John Essef. And that was, um, that was almost 25 years ago, and he's remained uh, a good friend uh, to this day. Um, and he invited me to start uh, coming to some conferences in Mundelein, Chicago. Um, and it's, it's an interesting life, Terry. I sit today technology is amazing travel is amazing mm -hmm. i sit today in a studio in covina west covina california mm -hmm. at this time yesterday i was horseback at 7600 feet of elevation <laughs> moving cattle with my son and four of my grandsons awesome and so it that's my life <laughs> and so still you know riding yesterday looking for tracks looking for evidence of predators uh, who else shares the range? How are they going to be present? And the thought occurred to me, and I had a conversation with my son, um, that we're doing the same thing with these these boys, his nephews, my grandsons, his sons, all together. Um, you know, these boys uh, in the last several days have been with me there in Wyoming with my son. And, you know, they fly fished and they've gone rafting down the river. They've done all these things. But always is this conversation, this background, this base level of how do you be a man? How do you be a good man? How do you pay attention? How do you protect? How do you um, discharge your responsibilities? <clears throat> and so 
that's that's all I've got to bring to this. I'm that I think God calls each of us as He called David. He didn't ask David to be anything other than he was. He used David as he was shaped and as he was. And God has seen fit to use me in this. And thanks be to God because it's given me an opportunity to do a little bit, to give a little bit back, to do some reparation, to see plainly and clearly the times that I have failed our Lord. He has always been my best friend, but I've not always been his. Amen to that. Thank you for being, uh, you know, so... uh, willing to share your own story with our Lord because, you know, there's a time, uh, as you said, you didn't really uh, understand what was going on in the spiritual life the way you have now. You've been formed, and you're willing to share that with anybody who's wanting to know, and I think that's what is so beautiful. Now, you're here, Kyle, with Jesse Romero, Dan Schneider. You're doing this video project here uh, this is the second visit we've had at the chapel. We're collaborating with you, with Father Chad Ripperker, to get this video out. Can you tell us a little bit about the project? And then I want to remind everybody that these things, we have video people come in as production costs. We would like to try to raise some money to pay for the production cost of putting this video together. If people want to do that, they can go to vmpr.org and put a donation in, or you can call me. I talk to everybody. You can call me on my cell, 661-972-7872. Make sure you tell me that you're wanting to do this for the video project on spiritual warfare. So, Dan, what exactly are you, Dan, Kyle, what are you and Dan and Jesse doing with this video project? What are the goals of it? So it's it's interesting how this stuff kind of comes together Um I started working for Father Riviger with him about 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. and then I've worked directly under him for the last several years as a case facilitator, administrator. We're seeing our contact grow, um, and so just the points of contact are huge. There needs to be an archive of right information. Um, There needs to be an archive of videos that go that a person can go to and get some answers because mm-hmm. they they've got questions but often the question they're asking is not the question that 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 they really need to have answered mm-hmm. and so father Ripperger through uh census fidelium has done an amazing job making conferences and things available um vmpr has done an amazing job that archive is a very active archive of all those shows But what we were looking at doing was to make some short videos that were topically indexed. Hang on. This is a good teaser. We're going to hear more about that on the other side of the break, folks. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Kyle Clement is with me in studio. They're doing a video project. He's going to tell us more about that and much more on the Terry and Jesse Show. And you wonder why I say I'm too blessed to be stressed? I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Kyle Clement is with me. He was just sharing with us why he's here in Covina, California at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel, downtown Covina. Kyle, continue your story because we got interrupted by the break. Yeah, Terry, um, 
Father Ripperger has gone to great lengths to make things available mm-hmm. <clears throat> at no charge uh, to the public to for the purpose of, of restoring to Catholic norms the understanding of this particular ministry. And what we found was that um, Father came at this from an academic standpoint and then as a practical standpoint, six advanced degrees. I can't speak enough about he's got the biggest brain of anybody I know. (laughs) But I will tell you straight up, he is as good a man as I have ever known, bar none. Um, Just that kind of integrity. He's the kind of guy that makes you want to be a better father, a better husband, whatever Mm -hmm. you are. He brings out the best in you. Um, Just truly a man's man. The whole point being is that Opinions are not equal. This is a secular misunderstanding. <clears throat> when Father speaks on a particular thing, when you read his book, Dominion, mm-hmm. you read his books, uh, The Introduction to Science and Mental Health, yeah. all you have to do is go to the footnotes and realize that he's not telling you the world according to, to Father Ripperger. He's telling you the world according to Catholic norms for 19 centuries was this. And so when he talks about moral theology or any of these things, he is... He does, it's not his opinion. Right. It's what the church has always taught. Amen. And what we found was that a data set of thousands of cases over the last 15 years, literally thousands of cases of extraordinary diabolical activity, they statistically pattern out in a way that is, is absolutely amazing. And so we saw that these patterns were clear. We saw that what church fathers taught, what the church doctors taught was in fact operative. And it was operative then, it's operative now. Because the demon hasn't changed, humans haven't changed. It is the same old shoot 'em up <laughs> And uh, the idea that somehow this is different. Nope. And there are a lot of voices in the church that are absolutely inconsistent with uh, traditional theology, with this whole methodology of liberation, Mm -hmm. and the idea that someone's opinion, that two people's opinion are are of equal weight just simply because they're both human. That's that's a non sequitur. That's for sure. Um, and so I can only talk to you about experience. I, I won't offer you any opinion. I can tell you what I've seen yeah. in years and years. Father can tell you not only what he's seen, but what he's studied and and tie those two together. Um, I'm just a cowboy. I can tell you that <laughs> I can tell you that if you fall in after a cow and you're going to rope her, she's going to run downhill before she runs uphill. That's that's what I can tell you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's cute and I can tell you if it's rocky you better watch the ground it's just simple things like that and yeah. so the two of us have worked together for a lot of years uh, on this and so these are going to be some topically driven videos that talk about some of the common mistakes that people make uh, some of the falsehoods that are out there and even though they're being endorsed by uh, bishops and, and by other prelates and Nowadays, I think all of us, the blinders are off, and we realize that in the past, what was a trusted voice, it may not be so now. Um, you got to trust but verify. And just to be frank, you know, a cleric does not have the weight he used to have. A bishop does not have the weight he used to have. Um, you, You have to come across those rare individuals and to hear myself say it is it, it hurts me. Yeah, it does. Um, but you got to come across those rare individuals. And we, we as men have got to, to remember that we've got a built in BS meter, pay attention when it goes off. Yeah. We can no longer interpret 
a cleric statement in the best positive light because that they're not meant that way. Kyle, I think there's a, a situation that in the culture and in the church that affects all the both of them in a very negative way, and it's called um, feminization of our culture. It seems that men have lost, and I'm talking about Catholic priests, Catholic men, uh, fathers. We've we've been sold a bill of goods that says that we use this term unisex that you know there's no difference between men and women and it seems to me that that's infected inside the church and it's also making it very difficult for men to act appropriately because somehow the culture is trying to tell them to shut up and be silent and don't if you you know don't say anything don't do anything and that uh, that's how you're going to be okay and i think that's a lie uh, am I on to something? You're definitely on to something, Terry. This is one of those areas that Father speaks to every opportunity is the right roles of men and women, <clears throat> not only in society, but in the church. Um, and, and it's so important to understand we are not equal. And as I say that statement, you can you can hear everybody bristle and, and kind of gasp. We're, we're much more than equal because what equal does is it establishes a mean whereby all are drawn down, none are elevated. And we are unique. We, we do different things, and we do them differently. This is one of the things of the demon is to try to, to get us to look at, at the other um, with derision as in less than. But we are, we are uniquely suited to different roles in the, in the, in sal- in the economy of salvation. Yep. Well said. And I think I'll tell you uh, something that I think would be a good read for people— Casti Kanubi, it's a 1931 document on marriage, and it really articulates the 2,000-year history of the church on the role of men and women. And I would say, I would, I would say even more, Kyle, that I think this is critical uh, in the church because if a man doesn't have masculinity, how can he be a father? Whether it's a spiritual father or a natural father, it, it seems that. It destroys the family, the feminization of our culture. It absolutely does. And in fact, it destroys true femininity. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the spirit of feminism, um, and it has done so much to destroy the institution of marriage. But more than anything else, it's robbed countless hundreds and thousands of women of the joys of motherhood, spousal union, right relationship. Um, And and it's fractured uh, the flow of grace into society through yeah. functional marriages. Well said. So, Kyle, the, the, the video that you guys are putting together, along with Virgin Most Powerful Ready, we're co- collaborating on this, is going to help uh, not just individuals, but family life in general. Because it seems to me, and you correct me if I'm wrong, right on the air, I have no problem if, uh, if I'm wrong. But I think that when we understand the spiritual life and we understand our roles, that it will give us the uh, insight and also direction to build holy families because it's, it's hard for family life to survive when mom and dad don't understand their God-given roles in the family. Am I onto something there, too? You're definitely onto something there. Uh, this was one of the things that uh, Dan and I talked about early on. I met Dan in New Mexico. I was doing team training for an exorcist out there, and Dan was one of the people he had recruited. And so 
we uh, we hit it off because we spoke the same language. Dan's a man's man and and sees things in in right order and when they're not in right order. So Dan and I hit it off. Dan has a lot more discipline than I do and was able to and a lot more talent and he was able to put into book form uh, the Libra Cristo experience in the book that just that just came out. Right. So if you look at that, there's a we needed a companion piece that went with it. But I would encourage everyone to buy the Dan Schneider PhD new release from Tan, Good. Um, the uh, Libra Cristo Field Manual, because what he did was um, we collaborated, uh, Father Riffiger and and, uh, and Dan and, and I, very much he talked about the protocol, some of the information behind how it was developed, why it was developed, etc. But it's just a very, very functional manual for a man. It's written by a man for a man. Yeah. It's not that women won't find value in it, but understand it's a field manual. And so um, it, it lays out what we, what Father knew academically, what he knew practically, what we discovered. Um, and so Dan brings a perspective to this that is, that is very, very, um, very good, very knowledgeable with his military background. And so Dan is going to be speaking on some of these topics. I'm going to, um, but Father really wanted to get this out there as a resource. Yeah, and that's what we're going to do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I want to encourage people, if they'd like to support this work specifically, go to vmpr.org, make your tax-deductible donation. Say, I want to help support the spiritual warfare video you guys are working on. Uh, with Father Chad Ripperger's group. And just, uh, if you want to call me at 661-972-7872, make a donation, I'll personally thank you for that. I also want to bring up the fact that in the church, let's just be honest, I mean, we are in a crisis mode in the church because we've got some weak leadership. And I'm just calling it for what it is. We Weak leadership that they're they're not directing us like we traditionally would be directed for the four last things, uh, judgment, where it seems like we're hearing too much about recycling uh, bottled water, plastic bottles, and not enough on salvation. And so I think Henry Newman and same with Bishop Sheen, he said that it's the laity that's going to save the church. Well, I'm talking to a layman, Dan Snyder, and also Kyle Clement, Jess Romero, we're lay, we're lay run. Now, Father Chad Ripperker, he's the priest who gives us the orders, okay, and gives us the spiritual direction we need. But let's be honest. Uh, lay people are stepping up to the plate now like we've never done before. And I think Fulton Sheen said it in 1973, that's who's going to save the church. And so this important work that uh, Kyle's working on is going to help family life and that's why I want to encourage all of us to support it with your prayers, first of all. Second of all, if you've got a few extra pennies, you want to you know, help us pay for the production cost of this video, we'd appreciate that by going to vmpr.org or call us at 877-526-2151. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to throw you a curveball. And the reason I'm going to throw you the curveball is you have been dealing with uh, spiritual warfare for years. And there's a Holy Father, Pope Pius XII, in 1949, he said something that I want to get your reaction from, because it, it, it really hit me. 
He said this to 200,000 people at St. Peter's Square. Now this, I'm talking 70 years ago. The Holy Father asked the people, do you want a church that remains silent when she should speak? And all the people said, no. The Holy Father said, do you want the law of God diminishing where it is called to be proclaimed loudly? And the people said, no. And then the Holy Father said, do you want a church that's going to accommodate to the will of man? And they all said, no. I want to just ask Kyle, it seems to me that the lay people are speaking up and saying, we don't want compromise. We want the unadulterated truth of the gospel, a biblical worldview. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back on the Terry and Jesse show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Wow, Kyle, I'm pumped because I'll tell you why, Kyle. Kyle, I'm pumped about anything that can help me get closer to Jesus Christ. And my conversation with you, we were just talking about, uh, you know, spiritual warfare. And I thought, I want to get your take on the issue of birth control because I believe back in the 60s, it was July 20th, 25th, actually, 1968, Pope Paul VI came out with an encyclical on Humanae Vitae saying that birth control is intrinsically evil and that we cannot use it as a way to, uh, to, to regulate the birth of our children. And it seems to me that that opened up a floodgate of dissent in the church, and um, very few people even today adhere to that teaching, and... Um, the effects on it have been horrendous on the family. So I want to ask if this is something that you would like to comment in regards to spiritual warfare aspects of not following the church teaching regarding the transmission of life. Well, you're, you've probably placed your thumb on the, the central most issue to diabolical affliction. One of the terms that you'll hear through Libra Cristo and, and through this methodology that you won't hear anywhere else is the concept of psychological compatibility. And this is an ancient Catholic concept. Uh, Pope Leo the Great <clears throat> talked about it in the third century. And what he says is that um, all creatures are relational. I'm paraphrasing. But when you circumvent, we, you, the fallen human, me, the fallen human, when we circumvent the right use of the conjugal act, the holy use of the conjugal act, mm -hmm. the virtuous use of the conjugal act, then it becomes vicious. Yes. Every, all behavior, all action, all speech is either virtuous or vicious. It either leads one toward God or away from God. And so I think it's very, very interesting that coming out of Vatican II, what you've got is this movement from ad orientum mm -hmm. to ad hominem or ad populum. Sure. And this is precisely the issues. We've The focus is no longer on the creator. It's now on the creature. Yep. And so all of these things, um, including the misuse of the conjugal act for less than the procreative purpose, mm -hmm. moral theology manuals, um, for 19 centuries, the teaching was always that the, the purpose of marriage is twofold. First, procreation. Second, unitive. Amen. But it, 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 these are two aspects of sacrificial theology. Mm -hmm. 
to the extent that you engage in marriage for other than sacrificial theology, to the extent you engage in the conjugal union for any purpose other than procreative or unitive, procreative primarily, then you have a psychological compatibility with the demon because you're engaging in a holy act for an unholy purpose. Wow. And so now you can hear the world, you can hear the demon, but most of all, you can hear your fallen voice that says, it's all about me, it's not about him. Yeah. Um, And so there's where the psychological compatibility starts. You know, if you've heard this for the first time, I want to encourage people to get the, uh, the sacrament of confession, penance. And the reason is we're all sinners, but if this just opened up your eyes to what you've been doing for a long time, there's mercy. But you know, mercy doesn't come without repentance. That's right. So you got to repent of that sin and say, hey, I'm wrong. I got misled or whatever. I did the wrong thing. I'm going to repent and get back right. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. But uh, Kyle, that's the other thing I wanted to throw at you is, yeah, we've got this aspect, you know, that we missed out on the conjugal act as being procreative and unitive and and not just, you know, what we, it's a bad way of saying it, but recreational sex. This is what the culture has. This is why we have human trafficking. This is why we have abortion. All this led to this misuse of a very sacred gift of transmission of life to become all about me, myself, and I. So my question to you is, how is it that in the last 60 years, the confession lines have really dwindled and people somehow get the impression it's not a biblical worldview that, you know, Bible Bible says few will be saved. We've kind of misread that and put our own attention to say, oh yeah, universal salvation, everybody's going to be saved. So why would I go to confession? But doesn't that open us up to all kinds of diabolical actions? Yes or no? Well, it absolutely does. So three points of observation. One is here we are a week after the anniversary of the July the 13th apparition to the Fatima children in yeah. 1917, right. where she revealed hell to them as a very real place. Right. Um, and it changed. It, it, it forever changed. Our, it, it was a division point among theologians at the time um, and so she's she's not saying th- something um, just by the by, showing the children something. She's speaking to the errant theologians that, yes, hell is a very real place. And your actions have consequences. And there there's a direct progression down that down that path. <clears throat> we started down the, that path with no fault divorce. There was a time in the church where the annulment preceded the divorce. That's right. And that's the way it should be, the way it still should be. But the idea that I can um, make a solemn contract and then I can get out of it, uh, we're seeing the degradation of our entire society. We're seeing everything fall apart because there's no integrity. Um, Everything is now focused on self. A man used to, it used to be a man was as good as his word. His word was his bond. And that's simply not the case. Um, and each generation goes further and further away from a baseline of virtue. Um, we're dealing now in a neo-pagan world, in a howling wasteland of relativism and modernism. Well said. Devoid of any landmark of virtue. Yeah. Well said. And and I would say this, St. John Paul II wrote a letter in 19... 19- 
94 to families, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. So if we think about this, Kyle, the family's a mess, the culture's a mess. So how do we fix this? See, you, you don't fix it. Uh, I think that's the sobering thing is, is you don't fix it. So what we're watching is a train wreck. <laughs> um, get some distance so that you don't get hit by flying parts. Uh, <laughs> get some distance and let the wreck stop. And then it's about dealing with the survivors. Wow. Um, you, you made a point. Yes, sir. You made a point that if you've got a young family and you live in the state of California, take your young family. And I did. Go somewhere else. I did. We're at that point. Um, we're at that point with the church. I'm not telling you to leave the church. I'm not telling you that at all. But what I am telling you is um, we have a fractured and compromised hierarchy. Yep. Uh, we can see it. We understand what we're dealing with. We as men are head of our domestic church. So don't go looking for directives. There, don't go looking for things to pick up. Unless the Pope issues a directive that says that impacts you directly, let it go. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. Preserve the faith and preserve the faithful. Avoid the political destruction um, and avoid the calumny and scandal because the best thing you can do for your family is be holy. Amen. Yep, that's what I keep telling. At your exit interview, we all going to have it. A lot of the stuff that's going on in the church is, is going to be immaterial to you because if you're living your faith as a sacramental life and you're fulfilling your duties in your state and life, this is something, Kyle, that Our Lady of Fatima, you brought her up to July apparition on hell. She also said that we need to be doing our duties in our state and life. Oh. Uh, that's how we fulfill God's will in our life. And I want to mention something that I usually mention at the end of the show, that she said something about redemptive suffering. She said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for. And it seems to me, Kyle, just knucklehead Terry, that every action is like a blank check. If we give it all to Christ, then we can offer sacrifices, little sacrifices to our Lord that could be eternal value to the salvation of souls. And I think that that needs to be pushed very hard. And I don't know if a lot of people realize that what they do can affect the salvation of their loved ones. And that's a powerful thought to think about, Kyle. It absolutely is, Terry. You brought up confession. Yeah. Uh, this is, we're encouraged to confess the sins of others to the exclusion of our own yeah. uh, through gossip, slander, calumny, detraction, yeah. etc. Even through some of the healing services where you're supposed to go and tell what happened to you. Um, that's not what this is about. If you're, you, as you well know, the words of absolution start with God, the Father of mercies, has reconciled you unto himself through Christ, his son. Yeah. We're not going to confession to be eligible for the Eucharist. We're going to confession to be reconciled with God, the Father, through whom, whom we have offended with our action or lack of action. Yes. Our failure, most of our failure is, uh, as men is not mistakes, it's, it's inactivity. So omission, sins it, of omission. Precisely. It's not acting, it's not speaking. Um, every single father that, this is going to sting, but every single father who has an immodestly dressed daughter, um, what's driving her to that? Are you looking at pornography? Are you looking at impure images? What is your view of women? 
Um, every mother who has uh, a whiny, spoiled son who is not fit to be a spouse, what is your action? Um, what are you doing to, to build men? We're, we're all in this together, and every one of us is there's more than enough culpability to go around, but nobody wants to be responsible. The two words that are most seldom heard in a Catholic household is mea culpa, my fault, my fault. It's always going to be somebody else's fault. And the quicker we step up and say mea culpa, now what can I do to fix this? Uh, what can I do to address it? But Terry, I think that you're exactly, you got your thumb on it. We can't save the culture. What we've got to do is save our faith and save our family. Amen, amen, amen. And you know, last time I looked, you can't take it with you. <laughs> no, you No, that's it. And, and you know what? If, like Bishop Sheen used to say, if souls are saved, everything is saved. No. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. Precisely right. So we got to keep that in mind on that. Hey, we're going to come right back after a quick break again for our final session with with kyle clement talking on spiritual matters spiritual warfare the family and how we can be holy because you know what that's what it's all about if we're not gonna you know we're all gonna die the question is are we gonna die in the state of grace <laughs> all right we'll, we'll be right back folks stay with us here on the terry and jesse show on virgin most powerful radio Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back indeed. Terry and Barber and Kyle Clement, we're talking about the spiritual life. We're talking about spiritual warfare. And we've talked about living in the state of grace as being the key. I mean, because nobody gets out alive last time I looked. <laughs> we're all going to face it. Kyle, can you share with us from your experience of a kind of a, a list of disciplines that all Catholics should really be exercising in? In other words, if the physical exercise, if we don't, like I'm going to go right now after this to go do swimming lessons with my grandson. But if I wasn't able to get in the pool because I didn't exercise, well, I couldn't do it. The same thing on the spiritual life. If we don't exercise spiritually, our souls are dead. So I want to ask you in this last segment, what do you recommend for lay people, that's mainly the ones who are listening to this show, what spiritual exercises should we be doing on a regular basis? It's a great question. So for men, <clears throat> I think that there's a lot of things that, that they can do. Um, one of those is, is to play the long game, is to develop a set uh, of spiritual disciplines that are a maintenance level. And so, for instance, a bare minimum maintenance level is the Angelus at 6 noon and 6. Mm -hmm. Order your life to prayer. Don't order prayer to your life. Order your life to prayer. And what does that mean? It means that get up. I don't care what time you went to bed. The bell rings at 6. Get up. Get out of the bed and say your prayer. Say the Angelus. Proclaim the Incarnation. <clears throat> the reason being is if you can't mortify your flesh, if you can't master your flesh, uh, then all is lost. Yeah. Because that's where the demon's going to get you. That's where he's going to attack you. And the idea that, well, I didn't get in until late. Um, you know, I was even, I was doing something for the Knights of Columbus, and, and so I ought to get a pass. No, there are no passes. It, you answer the bell. So 6 noon 6, I would say the auxilium, Christian Orm prayers at least once a day. 
uh, preferably three times a day, do an examination of conscience um, in the evening. That is a bare minimum. Now, if you want to up it a little bit, every Friday is Good Friday. No meat, brother. What happens at 6 in the morning? He's before Anna's in the courtyard. By by, uh, 9 in the morning, he's in front of Pilate. By noon, he's crucified. By 3, he's dead. And by 6, he's in the tomb. You're never more than three hours away from a moment of prayer for the Catholic. But every Friday is Good Friday. Every Saturday is the day that she spent with her son in the tomb not knowing. And this brings us to one of her most powerful titles is Our Lady of Sorrows. Mm Here is the mother of God. She did not know what was going to happen. So the salvific plan and the particulars are revealed to her through Simeon, through Joseph, through the flight of Egypt, through all of these things. What humility to have the salvific plan revealed to her through others. God didn't speak to her. God didn't say it'll all be okay. He didn't give her a timeline she was open to however it happened, be it done unto me according to thy word. At the end of the day, there's only one word difference between Lucifer's response to God and Mary's response to God. Mary says, be it done unto me according to thy word. And Lucifer says, be it done unto me according to my word. Mm -hmm. And so Our Lady of Sorrows is a total gift of self This is why she is so full of grace, is there is absolutely no impediment to grace flowing through her. Why, what a great answer, Kyle. This is important. And again, um, I know that my experience, and you've got to correct me on the air, Kyle. It's good for for my uh, humility to be corrected by my brothers. I need it. But I think of women being more spiritual than men, generally. They seem to be more uh, amiable towards you know, giving their lives in service because they're bearers of life. But um, for you just talked about for men, but I think women also uh, could be, could bear fruit from having a prayerful regi- regiment in their life, even among, like, I remember my wife, when she'd be nursing uh, the babies, and she'd be saying prayers out loud. I'd be coming in, and she'd, she'd be just praising God, while she was doing her her daily duty and feeding the baby. And I think that must be pleasing to God. So it's not just, you know, the prayers that she was saying, but it's fulfilling our duties in our state and life. So I I, want to ask you, Kyle, for women's advice. They have lots of questions. They ask me a lot of these questions about balancing the spiritual life and their work at home as a mother and wife. How do they keep the balance together. And I was kind of curious to see, hear your answer. And I think a lot of mothers that are listening would like to hear what you have to say on that. So it's a good point, Terry. I don't think there is a balance. <laughs> I, I think they're one and the same. And, and so it is, it's interesting that the, the concept of fetal imprinting is in every species, every, every group of animals. What does fetal imprinting mean? It means that the child's first, for humans, the child, the soul's first human experience is its mother's reaction to its presence. And so it's either, women, you can do a lot of things, but you can't be ambivalent about pregnancy. There is either joy or some other reaction. 
but to the extent that that is a welcomed and joyous child. Now, again, back to the conjugal act. Is this the fruit of um, a conjugal act done to give glory to God and for the purpose of procreation? Um, then that is absolutely open to grace to the to the most extent. <clears throat> then the mother's reaction to the child, it's joy. But just as important is the mother's reaction to the father. Mm. That child in utero begins to develop a relationship with its unseen father by the mother's reaction to his touch, to his voice, to his presence. Mm. That child also begins to build a relationship with God the Father, with the church, with the Blessed Mother, because the his mother is going to have a reaction to all of those stimuli. That's going to be his disposition. Is she anxious? She has to do whatever is necessary to create a place of peace, not only in her womb, but in the household. A, a, res, a, a respite to be a woman of Proverbs so that when the man comes home from fighting the demons of the secular world <laughs> Amen. and he's half on fire, he is greeted into a place of sanctuary, a yeah. place of peace, a place where there has been prayers prayed all day and children are ready to welcome a father that they've been looking forward to coming home. Um, and it's not by his merit that he is the father. Yeah. Please understand that it is not by merit. Authority and merit have nothing to do with each other. They have everything to do with providence. And so this is a woman's role is to nurture. Mm. And it is to absolutely nurture one, uh, the soul toward sacrificial theology if it's a girl child toward spousal union toward giving glory to god and raising righteous children if it's a boy child to raise him in the manly aspects it'll be necessary to deny himself and to make sacrifice there you go wow why don't you really tell me what you think kyle <laughs> you know what brother i i mean this this is what we call basic uh christianity that we haven't heard enough of what you just said and not and you're not giving me anything that's uh, brilliant. You know what you're giving me? Fundamental teachings of what the church has always taught. Nothing more, nothing less. Yep. We got a couple minutes left. I want to uh, just wrap it up again to talk a little bit about the production of this video that you're doing here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina with Jess Romero and Dan Schneider. This video should help people answer some fundamental questions. Now, I, there's something controversial, and I don't shy away from controversy because it's the truth that sets us free. But there's, there's a lot of people, and I'll just bring one example, Kyle, of this. I'm a little uncomfortable over the years, even before I met you guys, I, because of my background, I never wanted people praying, their, putting their hands on me. Because it made, common sense told me, who are these people? I don't know who they are. They could be, you know, anybody. And I, and I appreciate those who want to pray for me. And I always say, hey, pray for me. Thank you very much. But, but don't touch me and don't pray over me. Now, in the charismatic renewal, for years, that was very common. It's still common. And I think one of the things on this video that you're going to be talking about is why that's not a good idea. Could you give us just a little teaser why you shouldn't have people praying over you? So authority is very, very important, and there has always been an understanding in traditional Catholic theology there is a difference between power and authority. 
The modernists and the relativists will tell you that power is authority. That's not right. That's vigilanteism. That's uh, lawlessness. Mm -hmm. That is a failure to follow right order and the dictates of the church. And so just because you can do something does not mean you can't. You should. The other principle here is that the ends cannot justify the means. These are Catholic principles that are lost <clears throat> when people do what they want to do. Um, and there is a difference between the sacerdotal priesthood That's right. and what lay people are supposed to do and can do. Yep. This has been clouded with ecumenicism. This has been clouded with um, non-denominational and evangelical influences into Catholicism. And, and to be quite frank with you, it's just simply not Catholic. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have uh, the place in tradition. Even when people will say, well, back in the first century, second century, when you go back and do the research, that's not, it doesn't bear out. And so uh, there have been even groups who have set themselves up as quasi-dicastrates or uh, Vatican councils on, or commissions on certain things. Um, oftentimes they're done without commission. Uh, they're done uh, as ad hoc groups who want to push an agenda. And we see a large number of these individuals as cases. They begin, wow. they begin to do these things without proper authority. Wow, wow. And, and then I know that we've talked on these issues of spiritual warfare at our conferences with you guys, but it's so important to know um, the boundaries of a father and a mother and the children and to know our roles to play. It seems to me that uh, this is critical in helping people staying on the narrow, straight and narrow path because it seems to me that they don't have the direction, they're, they're lost. And so I think this is important, this project you're working on with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And again, we'll have a video put out on this topic with uh, Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement, and Jess Romero. Father Chad Ripperger's asked us to do this. But guess what? He said to do it, we do it. Because you know what? We follow orders. Am I correct in saying that, uh, Kyle? You're, you're a man following orders? You're exactly right, Terry. And thank you for this opportunity and your generous use of the studio and oh, equipment and personnel to do this. Any good that we come, like we do comes from God, and we thank Him for it, brother. And again, I'm not going to stop saying this. Our Lady of Fatima said it. Souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. All of us can participate in it. My three-year-old grandson can make a sacrifice. You can do it too. All for the glory and honor of God. Thanks again, Kyle, for joining us. And our prayers are with you this week here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. If you'd like to make a donation, don't hesitate to call me. 661-972-7877. God bless you. And you